It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to what? To be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So, in response, verse 6, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Welcome home, everyone. So happy to see you. Good morning. If you don't know me, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. Happy to be sharing from the scriptures today. A special welcome, as Pastor Becca said, special welcome to everyone joining us online, specifically my folks, Homesick, and all the other friends that will be joining us later. Um, uh, just thrilled that you have made it a priority to join us in-house, online, or later in the week um, here at Highlands. Hey, real quick before we begin, uh, if you hadn't heard, uh, we had two longtime members of the church uh, pass away recently. I just wanted to keep you in the loop. Um, Carl Dirksen and Dan Trujillo, both strong men of faith that helped care for this church for a really long time. It's amazing when a church is 78 years old. You know what I mean? There's, there's life cycles, there's generations, there's lifespans. And so where a lot of young churches might not have these announcements, in a way we, we honor and we celebrate these announcements because now these people that cared so deeply for this church for so long are with the Lord. They're seeing the fulfillment of their faith face-to-face. -face. Amen? But that doesn't necessarily make it easier for families left behind. And so if you would, just keep their families in your prayers. Specifically, I would say pray for peace as they're navigating a new season without them. Because they will be missed. Amen? They'll be missed. And so just keep them in your prayers, the Dirksen family and the Trujillos. Okay. Um, with all that said, I guess it's appropriate to say Happy New Year, right? Last, it's a little weird, right? Because it's been a couple days. It's already happened a while ago. Like, we are, we've arrived, but last Sunday was New Year's Eve, and now it is in the year already. It's like everyone's got the New Year, Happy New Year's out of them. But, but listen, 2023 is gone, y'all. 2024, welcome home. Like, can you believe it's 2024? When I was working on this, I was just thinking, like, there's no way I'm living in the future in 2024 right now. How is it possible? It's absolutely crazy, but... With every new year, at least in the past couple years, we've talked about how, how there's just something powerful about a new year. There's something powerful about beginning new. It feels like um, a fresh start. It feels like nothing but blue skies is all we see. New goals, new hopes, new dreams, new year, new you. It's a new year. Does anyone make resolutions for New Year's? Does anyone? Ms. Christopher, I know you do. You're trying to be a par golfer this year, right? I feel that. You already are, right? Okay, getting close. Did anyone, is anyone brave enough to share a few resolutions that you've made or goals? No? Rod, you got any? Run a marathon this year? Live like there's no tomorrow. I, I really embrace that. Okay, anybody else? Anyone else? Anyone in here? Yeah, Gloria. That is a wonderful Christian resolution. I love that. Perfect. Anyone over here? Yeah, what's up? Wow. There you go. Okay, cool. Does anyone else want to, like, one-up me by being the best Christian in the room, saying they want to read their Bible more in this? Yeah, everyone? Okay. See, I think resolutions are so helpful. Goals are so good. For me in our house, one of our goals, I think, for the year or the resolutions is that we really want to get into the rhythm of cooking at home. Does anyone— cook at home, actually, yeah. Over the past few years, I feel like we've gotten really accustomed to DoorDash and drive through and while there isn't anything inherently wrong with In-N-Out, the reality is we just want to eat at home a bit more. So this year, to help support our goal, my folks, they got us an air fryer, which is, again, like living in the future. It's amazing. But, but for me, in my house, I ended up getting Becca um, a new blender. So romantic, right? I got her a blender. But I just want you to know, y'all, this isn't just any blender. I got her a Vitamix blender. 
Now, some of you might be thinking, what's the big deal? Isn't a blender just a blender? And I just want you to know, it is not just a blender. This is like the blender they use at Starbucks to make all those terrible frappuccinos, you know what I'm saying? It's not. A Vitamix is in a world of its own. And I know this because, bless her heart, Becca has invested in a number of lesser blenders throughout our marriage. She has bought a number of terrible blenders. And I don't know if she just doesn't think she deserves the best or if she wants to save money, but every single one of the other blenders, the regular average blenders, they died and they burned out or they were just incapable of, of blending what we wanted to blend. Amen, Becca? It's only been two. It feels like 20, okay? It's like we would get, it's like we'd get the blender out and we'd throw the stuff in there and it would just kind of spin and we'd have to stick our hand in there to, no, I'm just kidding. But, so all that said, this past week, um, she got the Vitamix out and she started making smoothies. And y'all, this thing is just incredible. It's like unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And so if anyone needs something blended this week, please let me know. We've got you covered. Otherwise, um, if anyone is creating um, uh, or has committed to eating more at home in the coming year, I think we should start a Highlands cookbook. Anyone want to do a cookbook? Have we ever done a cookbook here? Maybe? Yeah? Chris, you're like, yeah, it's old news. Let's do it again. Let's bring it back around. Anyway, it's a new year, and whether it's saving money or Bible reading or working out more or getting married or paying down debt or learning to surf or finally climbing to the top of Mount Wilson or eating at home, whatever it might be, I think we all have, we all have these things that we'd like to see happen. We all have these things, these goals, these hopes and dreams for what could be in the next year, which is why for us here at Highlands, we're starting 2024 with a series called Building a Better Year. Building a better year because we believe, friends, that things can change. We believe there are better blenders out there for all of us. We believe it. We believe things can change. And it doesn't matter how many re resolutions have rolled over from year to year or how many dreams have died on the vine of your circumstances. We believe things can be different. We believe life can be better. And so does God. And I just want you to let this sink in for a second, because this is some seriously good news for all of us, that the God of the universe, the God who, 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 who formed this sky and holds all things together, this God loves you and wants you to live your greatest, most meaningful, wonder-filled life in 2024. Overflowing with beauty and wonder and love and passion and purpose, he does God doesn't want you to just settle for what was good enough last year or fall into a life of average or adequate or acceptable. No, if you're still breathing, everyone's still breathing in the house today, amen. Then listen, God's greatest dream for you and for me, God's greatest dream is yet to come. And he wants nothing more than for you in the coming year to build something better, to build a better year with him. And so that's where we're going to be hanging out for the next couple weeks as we take a closer look at, at how to step into this reality of goodness with God and, and to actually build a better year with Him. We're going to be looking at some key practices, some key disciplines to help guide us sustainably. Because there's nothing quite like starting a discipline and then having it peter out after a couple weeks, right? We're talking about sustainability as we build this better year with God. And I want you to know that this is going to be really practical. The next couple weeks are going to be insanely practical. And so if you know anyone that needs some encouragement as we begin 2024, I encourage you to invite them. Think of someone, think of anyone that might need some good news and start praying for them. Ask God to give you an opening so you can extend an invitation. Because January, January you do not want to miss. Got it? Okay, Fran, thank you. Good. Amen. But all that said, that's building a better year. But before we get there, before we get to the building blocks for January, for what it takes, for today, I, I want to establish first what's, what actually is better. I want to establish what's best and what God says we should all be working toward, both as individuals and as the church. Because, y'all, there are a lot of really great things, great goals we could make. There's so many good and moral and thoughtful directions we could take in 2024. So the question is, what does God want our year, your year, to be defined by? 
What is the better? What is the best? What is the destination? Well, over the past few months, I've been seeking God on this very question, specifically asking him, who does he want us to be and who does he want us to become at Highlands in the next year? As we anticipate a potentially, potentially, another potentially crazy social and political season in 2024, navigating all sorts of stuff as God's people never before seen um, that would, would distract our faithfulness. You know, as I thought about what might be coming in the year, I kept coming back to God asking, for such a time as this, for such a time as this, 2024, who are you calling us to be? And who are you positioning us to be as your church in Foothills? What should we be building? Well, again, over the course of months of seeking and discerning, I believe God has given us some clarity, and God has given us an answer. I believe God has given us a word and a phrase of invitation to help focus our hearts and minds for the coming year. It's one word, but it's a very real expectation of who God needs us to be as we grow our faith and obedience. And this is what I heard, one word, one phrase. It's this, that we would be holy. Holy to the Lord. Holy to the Lord. I'm just going to say that one more time. If you're taking notes, write it down. In 2024, I believe God is calling us as a church into greater holiness as we remember together that as his people, we have been commissioned and commanded to be holy to the Lord. Now, friends, I am well aware that certain church words carry with them a lot of baggage and even more confusion. And so there's this trend in the church and in the church world to kind of bypass certain words that aren't helpful to a modern audience. And while I am always in favor of clarity of communication, friends, this is a word and phrase that demands redemption and demands our comprehension. Why? Because it is literally found all throughout the scripture, from cover to cover. And for anyone in the house thinking, yeah, 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 but is, really, is it really such a big deal? Listen, it is. And I want you to know that it's actually the biggest deal. This is the biggest deal. Because while there are tons and, and, and loads of commands in the scriptures to help shape our behavior, commands about behavior, there's only one command directed at the core of our identity. The core, and this is it. Holy to the Lord. But don't just take my word for it. I, I want to I give you just a few of the more than 900 references to holiness in our Bibles. Just a few to help drive home this importance. Starting in Ephesians 1 again, our opening scripture, it says this. We've got a bunch. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Moving on to Hebrews 12. It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be Holy, because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Zechariah 14. It says, On that day, even the harness bells of the horses will be inscribed with these words, Holy to the Lord. And the cooking pots in the temple of the Lord will be sacred as the basins used beside the altar. In fact, this is wild. Every cooking pot in Jerusalem and Judea will be holy to the Lord of heaven's armies. Cooking pots, y'all. Deuteronomy 7, this is so good. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Here we go, Exodus 28, to the priests of Israel. It says, next make a medallion of pure, pure gold and engrave it like a seal with these words, holy to the Lord. Got a couple more. First Peter 1, I hope you love this. It says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Here's 1 Peter 2. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people, royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. I got two more for you. Second Peter, sorry, Second Timothy chapter 1, just to drive this home. It says, for God saved us and called us to what? Live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it. Not because we deserved it, but because, because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us 
his grace through Christ Jesus. And this is the last one, Leviticus chapter 20. It says, so set yourselves apart to be holy. For I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice. For I am the Lord who makes you holy. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Y'all, if it's not obvious, if it's not obvious, God cares so much about our holiness that we would live a holy life, holy to the Lord. Still, I would say, even with all the emphasis, and we can see it, again, more than 900 times throughout our Bibles, depending on our background or experience with church stuff, the Bible, guys, there's so much confusion about what this means, for what holiness actually is and why it matters. I know for me, I grew up in the church. I loved growing up in the church. Some people grow up in the church and they, like, have to fix themselves later, but I grew up in the church and I had a wonderful experience. But even growing up in a great church, I kind of interconnected holiness with holier than thou. Does that make sense? Where, where like, you know, the people that, that pursued holiness were the folks that were pointing fingers at everyone that was sinning. They were standing on the street corner with the sign that said, like, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. I had no idea what holiness meant. I kind of lumped it in with this, like, hypocritical holier than thou so I didn't know what it meant, nor did I want to. And maybe that's some of you today. You're like, man, I just got back in the church, and now you're talking about the thing that burned me years ago. But friends, like, guys, we see it everywhere. It's everywhere in Scripture, in our founding charter as Christians, the Holy Bible. We cannot avoid it. So what does it mean? What does it mean and why? And why is it so vital that we are holy to the Lord as we build this new way together? As we build a better way. Well, let's find out, starting first with some, some definitions. So, holiness, friends, if you didn't know, holiness and our translation of it comes from the Hebrew word pronounced kadosh. Kadosh, which literally means to cut. To cut, to sever, but not so much like cutting hair, okay, or like cutting pizza, like we did last night. Rather, it's simply to imply the cutting off from something cutting off from something, or the separation from the whole. Kadosh means to be in a class of your own, kind of like this, the, the present I got Becca for Christmas, a Vitamix in a world of broken blenders, okay? Like, Kadosh means to be set apart, unique, distinct from anything else on the market today and anything that has ever existed before. This is holy, holiness, Kadosh. And believe it or not, this word holy, it actually exists, and it was created for the sole purpose of describing or revealing what God is like, and what God does. And this is really, really important, because it means that holiness doesn't define God, but rather it reveals God. Holiness doesn't define God, but rather God defines holiness with himself. And I love how... Uh, this theologian, author, pastor, his name is Paul David Tripp. He, he, he helps make sense of it with this, with this quote. It says this. It says, God's holiness is not an aspect of what he is. No, God's holiness is the essence of what he is. If you were to ask, how is the holiness of God revealed? The only right answer is, in everything he does. Everything he thinks, desires, speaks, and does is utterly holy in every way. It is set apart. It is in a league of its own in every way. I love this. As he continues, he says, he is holy in every attribute and every action. He is holy in justice. He is holy or unique in love. He is holy in mercy. He is holy in power. He is holy in sovereignty, holy in wisdom. He is holy in patience. He is holy in anger. He is holy in grace. He is holy in faithfulness. He is holy in compassion. He is even holy in his holiness. It is what he is. And I love that. I love that phrase. It is. It is what he is. Holiness isn't just an aspect about God. No, God is holy, which means that holiness is found in the wake of God's action and investment lately. Holiness is the echo of God's presence within the human experience and the way and culture of heaven coming down and invading the earth. This is kadosh. It's a broad 
yet novel revealing of God's character through his every action on display in the world he so loves. Holiness. It is who God is. So, back to the top. Okay. What does this mean for us and this expectation that we would also be holy? If God is unique on his own, he has no comparables, what does it mean for us to be attached to that category? Well, let me explain. So, when, when God saved you, if you're a Christian, can you raise your hand, please? Okay, everyone look around. Great. When God saved you, everything about you changed. Everything. You might not always feel like it, but from the, from the inside out, everything about you changed. Just like Israel leaving Egypt, you were brought from death to life. You were born again into a whole new world of freedom and love and opportunity. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, if you're with Jesus, the old life is gone and the new life has begun. Everything changed. Your future is, is secure. Your past now has meaning and your present is rich with purpose. Everything changed. Ephesians 1 again says that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because you're united with Christ. You have been adopted into God's family forever forever without conditions or exceptions. New foundation, new family, new future, all because he loved you and called you and chose you even before the foundations of the world. Wrap your head around that for a second. God loved you before you were born. God chose you before the world was made. And it gave him great pleasure. But all of this makes you new in what it means to be a Christian. The old is gone, the new has begun. Amen. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. With that blessing, the byproduct of all that change, all that good news coming and invading your story, recreating your life, the, the byproduct is that now you are with Jesus. Or maybe better said, hold on, maybe better said, it, it actually means that you belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. I, check this out. I made a chart to help visualize things. Rebecca loves charts, and so I decided to make a chart. Throw that first slide up there real quick. Oh, perfect. The old you. Like, once you were here, okay? Let's see if this is the past, and this is the present, and this is the future. So once you were over here, the old you, living your own life, making your own way like the rest of the world, this is, this is the old you. Without God and without hope, the scripture says without God, without hope, striving to make sense of why you're alive and who you should be, chasing desire and passion as the God of your own story while simultaneously trying to ignore the sin that so easily entangles. This is who you once were, the old you. But then, second screen of the chart, you heard Jesus calling. But then you heard Jesus calling, make you the new you, and he set you free from all the garbage from the past, all the trash that was holding you back. He cut you off from your former way and brought you into a, a new life of faith, a life of, of faith and obedience that we call holiness, a life that is now your home country, the place that you belong and the place you'll become who God saved you to be. This is holy to the Lord, the new you. And it's who you are now over here. The new you, the new creation. Hit that last slide. Look at that. Look at those definitions. Somebody get your phone out and take that picture. I know you want to. This is who you are now over here. New creation, new person. Jesus made you holy when he brought you from old to new. When he saved you and set you free and set you apart to be like him. He broke you from your past and brought you into a new future. And this is the good news. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, you are a chosen people. God chose you. You are royal priests. Remember that passage back from, um, from Exodus and Deuteronomy where it says that, um, that you should make an emblem holy to the Lord and wear it on your forehead. That was for the priests in the tabernacle, and that is now us the royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. But again, with this blessing, the byproduct is that your life is no longer yours. 
Corinthians chapter 6, and it'll be on the screen, says this. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? I love this. You do not belong to yourself. For God brought, bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. I love that. You do not belong to yourself. Deuteronomy, again, chapter 7 says it like this. You are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. And First Peter 2. So don't slip back. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy, for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And this is it. And what I need you to take home with you today. There's one thing. It's just that the God who chose you, the God who called you, the God who saved you and changed you and gave you new life, this God is holy. So you as his people must also be holy in everything you do. Because you are not your own anymore. If you're a Christian, I saw you raise your hand. If you're a Christian, then I, you no longer have agency over your body or your destiny. If you're a Christian then you no longer have the ability to determine your next steps. Why? Because you've already died to self. Your old life is gone. You gave that right to the Lord when he welcomed you into his holiness. And while that might seem just a bit suffocating or limiting as 21st century Americans, where, where like our whole country was founded on rebellion from this, this right here, friends, is the greatest miracle the world has ever seen, and the greatest decision you could ever make. It's because now the one that we confess to be God, the one who has no equal or rival, the one who, who we believe formed the world and holds all things together, the one who reigns supreme over, over all creation with all power and authority and literally loves you to death, he wants to help you. He wants to help you build a better life. He wants to help you build beyond anything you could ask or imagine. The God of the universe wants to lead you into your greatest possible life. And while that might sound suffocating to those outside the wall, honestly, it sounds like a pretty incredible opportunity to me. And, and, and really, this is the only overarching opportunity and expectation God has for us. It's, it's holiness that we would build our lives over here with him that we would build in the new you, that we would remain faithful and cut off from our former way of life with no overlap, the old, like a, like a Venn diagram. So picture those two things, like no Venn diagram of old and new, just the new. We would be unique and distinct in society, that we would stand out from the world when the world sees us, they would recognize us because of the way we live within the culture of heaven. That we would live on God's terms, on God's team, with God's rules, as God's obedient children in everything we do. Why? Because now we know that our lives belong with him. Our lives belong to him. Now, okay, pretty abstract. Let's get practical for a second. How does this actually play out to be holy to the Lord? How does this actually play out? Let's do a few real-world applications. So um, let's say you're new. You're not old anymore. I'm getting older. But let's say you're new. Let's say you're new, and you're living the new, and you're holy to the Lord. How should that newness impact your marriage? What does holy to the Lord look like in your marriage? I tell you what, it should look different than the old. Because now you're married on God's behalf, friends. Now you're expected to treat your spouse like Jesus loved the church. Very different than the old. Let's talk about, let's talk about your job for a second. What does it mean to be holy to the Lord at work? I would say it, it means that you work hard, and you're honest, and you're creative, because God is creative. You don't gossip or slander, because God doesn't gossip or slander. You also don't work 80 hours a week and put your career above your family. 
Why? Because now you have boundaries. Now you have priorities because this is how Jesus works. And he's invited you to, to work alongside him, holy to the Lord in your career. Holy to the Lord. A couple more. How does your newness, as you brought from old life, new you, okay, how, how does this affect your political views, friends? How should you engage in politics? You know, because 2024 is going to be a wild year, right? Y'all, it's already coming. Depending on where you tune in or what you scroll at, like, the, the narrative is so wild. And I tell you what, the worst part is the dishonor. I would say if there's one thing holy to the Lord in your practice of politics in the next year, it's defined by one word, and that is honor. That you would honor because that's what Jesus says to do. Now, what about sexuality for a second? This is a big one. Um, sexuality, what you do, what you watch, what you support, what you affirm, how should being holy to the Lord affect your sexuality? Again, you abide by what Jesus says. You abide by what the scripture tells. The stuff has to go. The old you is gone. Now we need to occupy the new you. And God has a distinct sexual ethic for his people that we would be pure and holy and set apart. One more. What about money? Are you getting the idea here? I, got, I hope that it's coming across. Okay. What we're saying here is that the new you needs to affect every area of your life. Every area. Holy to the Lord is existing without compartments in the new life he died to give you. There is no overlap with the old. It's all new and no exceptions. Holy, I love this. Holiness has no categories for belief or behavior that are exempt just because it's easier or reasonable or the world says it's cool. With Jesus, friends, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing because our lives now belong to him. And why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we want to occupy the new with everything we got? Like, why would we want to keep jumping back to the old that left us burdened and broken and, and crushed under the weight of our own failure? Why would we want to live in the old when God is inviting us into peace and love and joy and patience and compassion and mercy? God is inviting us into so much more as we build this better year together. It's all or nothing. Because our lives belong to him. And this is what I think. This is what I believe God wants most from us and what I believe God is calling us into in the coming year. That we would live with no compartments. That we would live with no distractions. That we'd be set apart in everything we do and as we live like him within his holiness. And friends, you know what? You can do it. But you know what else? You won't. But you know what else? God gives more grace. And you know what else? This is a long runway. This journey with Jesus into the new. It is a long runway, and we will succeed, and we will win, and we will fail. But God gives more grace. More grace. More grace. All we need is the intention to keep holy to the Lord, 2024. Who's with me? Amen? Okay. Now, as I mentioned earlier, friends, we'll be breaking this down into some really practical ways over the course of January as we commit to building this year to the Lord. But for now, as we close, um, we're going to be closing with our time of communion. Normally, we take our communion before the message, but today, if you guys, Steve, and oh no, just, just Becca is going to come up and lead us in a song. Um, but as we do take communion today, and if you're serving communion, if you could come on down as well. I'd like for all of us as we close to approach the table today remembering two specific things. That we would remember two things, and, and that's it. It's just two simple things as you come forward. I'd like for you to remember first who you are, and second, I'd like for you to remember where you belong. And that's it. As you approach the table and make your way out for the week, I want you to remember who you really are and where you really belong. That you are, friends, anyone who raised their hand, that you are 
with that identity, friends, now you belong to heaven. It's where you belong. You belong to Jesus. He is now your home. His way, his truth, and his life. Amen? And so as we come down today, I just want you to remember, keep that at the forefront of your mind, that you are set apart. God saved you, loved you, called you before the foundations of the world to be his. Set apart for you. Set apart for him. Because of that, now you belong in the new. So as we approach the table today, let's just remember those two things. If you would, let's stand. And then uh, I want to pray for you. And then if uh, you want to come down, you can come down and receive and, and then make your way out and then we'll be dismissed. But let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for the new life that you have given us. We thank you that you have called us to be more than ordinary. God, that you have set us apart to be holy unto the Lord in every area of our life so that the world might see God in us. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you gave us. We thank you for the intention. We thank you for the investment and the energy. God, we thank you that there is no one too lost to be found and that there is no one too struggling to live free. God, we, we just thank you for the grace that you've poured out on us. And we remember that sacrifice. We remember that work that brought us from old to new today at the table. Your body broken for our sin, your blood poured out on our behalf, God. Your body buried to rise again. We honor you. We celebrate you, and we remember that today. God, give us the courage this week. Give us the capacity this week to remember who we really are and where we really belong and maybe who we really belong to. From here on out, we are holy to your name. God, give us, the, give us the, the courage to live holy for you this week. And so, Jesus, it's in your name we pray. It's in your name that we receive at the table. It's in your name that we give and we sing and we learn. God, it's, it's all about you, the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. You can come forward.
some friends next week. It's going to be super practical for everyone to come and hear the good news. So we'll see you soon.